In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents. If you feel depressed and if you feel anxious and you feel confused, you know what? Welcome to the club. Gaspacho police. Oh my God. What a stupid son of a bitch. He believes that it's a woman's right, it's a woman's body, and it's her choice. The Betches Sup Podcast. Sayonara, sucker. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. And this is the Better Sup Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. We have a guest joining us shortly, but before we'll just debrief on yet another beautiful weekend during the dawn of our reproductive rights. I've really been savoring. It was really a beautiful weekend. If you didn't try to travel by plane, I hear. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, we can talk. We should definitely talk about travel and that all that is in that realm. But um, I saw, you know, I spent my we- my beautiful weekend inside. I saw the show mm-hmm. um, POTUS on Broadway and... This is not sponsored. You know, I paid for my tickets. In fact, my mom got the tickets. We forgot that we had them. And then like the night before, we're like, oh my gosh, we have tickets. We're going to see the show. And then it was the funniest shit I've ever seen. Like, I usually have a lot of hard time watching a show, like a a musical, but this was not a musical. It was a play and it was just so fucking hilarious. And it was like feminist and it was just like fascinating and snarky and satirical and the you know there Rachel Dratch is in it she, she is hilar- awesome yeah and she's so fucking funny um Julianne Huff Hugh mm-hmm. how do you say her name I wait for other people to say it I think it's Huff I think it's Huff yeah I think it's Huff too but she was unreal it's, really you would love it like the people who listen to this podcast like yeah you are the core audience for this show so I hope everyone take, gets a chance to go see it if you if you can. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift, because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click gift mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And gift mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. 
Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing, up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. And today we are here with Emily Amick, the person behind the viral Instagram account at Emily and Your Phone, formerly counsel to Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and current lawyer for terrorism victims. What what a resume. Well, we have so much to chat with you about about the Senate. So after the Uvalde shooting, you did what many of us, I think our listeners always see you do after really intense or tragic news events that might have a political element, which is to share targeted and clear actions for people to ask for legislative change. Often it feels like we're mostly running up against Joe Manchin, but this time it seemed we had a window to convince GOP senators to do something. And after returning to their districts over Memorial Day weekend, indeed, some senators came back to D.C. ready to negotiate. So we talked about a lot of these specific proposals last week, and I'll get into the status of those next. But to start really broadly, Emily, why do you think we actually saw some movement in response to this most recent tragedy? Yeah, well, to take a step backwards, right, we still have the Joe Manchin issue, which is Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema are unwilling to pierce the filibuster in any meaningful way, which means any substantial legislation other than a reconciliation bill um, has to include 10 Republicans. And so that is really the boundaries of any legislation we can move forward, which is extremely limiting. And, you know, after I've been working in this area since Sandy Hook, and after every single event, there's this huge call for action. But what has historically happened is within a few days, people move on to the next subject and there's no accountability for these members of Congress. And they can just wait it out and say thoughts and prayers, T's and P's, and we all move on. And I think um, this time it was a sort of combination of factors. One being we now have two and a half years of parents being extremely frustrated in the pandemic and their level of willingness to put up with, you know, junk has reached its boiling point. And this happened and they are scared for their children's lives, legitimately feel there is a like real and present danger every day they send their kids to school. And they were extremely loud and they didn't 
let go after two days. And we heard from Chris Murphy, who's the senator from Connecticut, who is the chief negotiator for the Democrats on these issues. Um, he told the New York Times, he said this on social media, that this time was different, that he went home for Memorial Day weekend and he mm-hmm. heard from constituents day in, day out. And that's sort of, that's the thing I have been encouraging folks to do, which is to not let up, to be calling every single day about this issue and to call their representatives, right? And I think um, you have a lot of especially moms, but, you know, lots of other folks, too, who have realized that you have to be loud. And, you know, the argument that I've been making for a really long time is that the folks who are extremely anti-gun reform are a, a small minority of extremists. However, they're extremely loud extremists, and they are willing to say the same thing day in, day out. They're willing to be extremely loud. They're willing to go to uh, Senator Cornyn's events and boo him and you know, be willing to not vote because of one issue. And that is a huge strength. And people who are pro-gun reform have, you know, they have to get dinner on the table, right? Like they have to go to one job, sometimes two mm-hmm. jobs. They don't have time to do this day in, day out. And um, they care about a lot of different issues. It's guns isn't their only issue. And members of Congress know this. And I think this time, the level of ferocity of constituent anger was mm-hmm. just substantially higher, you know, and we're a couple weeks out. People are still upset about it. Momentum has slowed significantly, in my um, opinion. However, we there was um, at the end of last week, a huge concern that Republicans had sort of um, right. given up because they were unable to reach an agreement on a couple issues. But the news is reporting today that they are back on track, that Kristen Sinema and Chris Murphy are the lead negotiators for Democrats, and they are still in there um, trying to cut a deal. So what do you think the likelihood is of this actual of something actually going through? So the a big issue is that the uh, the Senate is going on recess next <sighs> week. So they, you know, it's hard to maintain momentum after they go home. And it's summer and people are doing other things. And, you know, we don't know if they're going to go home and continue to face this momentum. So I think that it's going to get done this week. And I also just sort of, I really, I hope so deeply it's going to get done this week that I am choosing to think that it's going to get done this week. You and John Cornyn on this want the same thing, want the same thing on the same page. Maybe Delta can cancel some of their flights home for vacation (laughs) and um, they can't leave. That would be great. That would be an altruistic way for them to maybe to maybe thin out the flight. So you mentioned this, but we heard last week that negotiations hit a snag with senators potentially backtracking on closing the boyfriend loophole and some other things. So I did not expect to read on Monday that that conversations were back on track after John Cornyn was booed speaking to the Texas GOP. I I, I thought that that would maybe have an impact on him. Um, it, it seems not. Why do you think that is? I mean, he was booed over the weekend for... I mean, he tried to basically say, like, I, I have stopped Joe Biden from taking away all of your guns. Um, we're stressing the mental health aspect. But still, the crowd objected to that and booed. And it's worth noting that the Texas GOP is... I don't know if they're particularly aberrant in their beliefs during that convention. They also endorsed uh, proposals to say that homosexuality is abnormal. Biden lost the election and to repeal the income tax. But um, why do you think do you think John Gordon is concerned about this in this current moment? And why or why not? 
Yeah. So I'll say John Cornyn is a different type of Republican senator. And I will give him credit for many years. He has worked on a lot of bipartisan legislation. He has never lost an election in 40 years of public service. He is not is not up for re-election until 2026. Um, So I think there's a degree to which he made a calculated risk that he was willing to take some hits now because he thinks in four years, public sentiment will be in a different place and they will like what he's mm-hmm. doing right now. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's a, a wise thing or not. And, you know, I think the, the NRA itself has lost a lot of, um, well, <laughs> they went bankrupt, but they've, also, right. <laughs> they've just lost a lot of political power with scandal after scandal after scandal. And what has happened is we no longer have the NRA single-handedly pushing this issue. We have mm-hmm. a you know disparate series of fringe and more fringe and Nazi groups that are pro-guns, <laughs> right? right? Like, um, and I think that John Cornyn, who is one of the folks who is vying to be Republican leader after Mitch McConnell leaves, it's most people think it's going to be either him or John Thune. Um, you know, I, I think he is worried about the direction of the Republican Party and folks like him are losing control of the Republican Party mm-hmm. to these MAGA extremists and he can't survive in a MAGA world. So he is, I think, trying to make a calculated risk that he needs to push forward these non-MAGA principles. You know, Dan Crenshaw, who is exceptionally conservative, more conservative than John Cornyn, I would say, got almost physically accosted by these MAGA folks because of, you know, he said things against Russia. Um, You know, Dan Crenshaw's a veteran. He understands the massive national security implications of Russian aggression, right? Like this is coming from a place of knowledge and intelligence. And he was physically accosted. So I think that John Trump endorsed him. (laughs) Yes, that's not enough. Did you see the the ad that Eric Greitens put out this morning? No. He literally is talking about hunting rhinos. Oh my god. It's it's petrifying. And if our this guy has also been accused definitely of assaulting his wife. Yeah. If not for like self-preservation, the normies, ugh, I can't believe I'm even using this term, <laughs> like team like the normies in the Republican party, like they do need to put their foot down. Like at the end of the day, they're the Adam Kinzinger also published a letter that he like a handwritten death threat to his family and he had one of the headlines is that he said like there's going to be more violence like coming from january january 6th if we're not clear about the truth here and it's like you're the one who has info should have more influence over your own party like who are you telling that's just what it's so frustrating because it's like they don't give a shit what like we think that if anyone can communicate, it's it's you or people you know. Mm-hmm. Like you're the one who should be able to convince people. Like c- call your own people. That's what's so frightening about all this. They can't yeah. even get themselves under control. Right. And you know, and look, Kevin McCarthy was the per- first person post January 6th to welcome Donald Trump back into the public fold. Right. Kevin McCarthy has a huge amount of the responsibility for normalizing his behavior. So I think that perhaps Adam Kinzinger's 
uh, public actions are like towards Republican leadership in and of itself, which is wild that he can't communicate to them. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it continues to just boggle my mind that these folks don't see where we're headed and don't see what they're doing and that they're like, they're going to get toppled. Mm -hmm. Well, I wonder, and this, I think watching the hearings and watching the conversations that were actually going on while we thought, what the hell are these people doing? Don't they know what's going to happen? Like they're going to get toppled. And we ended up with hang Mike Pence. So I think that it's not that they don't realize or they're not like a little afraid. It's just that they don't have the spine to actually, or maybe it's the competence, a combination of competence and spine to like pull it together and actually create like a bulwark against like the hardcore magas. So I don't really, but then again, like they don't go for DeSantis in a day just because he looks like a little more reasonable. Yeah, I mean, I also think these guys' egos are so bloated that they do think that they can push off the MAGA folks. They think mm-hmm. that that Marjorie Green doesn't represent the future, Marjorie Taylor Green, when she absolutely does <laughs> represent mm-hmm. the future of the Republican Party. Well, they don't realize that they caused Marjorie Taylor Green. Yeah. You mentioned that the NRA actually does have like waning political power. And my understanding is that a big, a big reason the boyfriend loophole hadn't been closed was because of really effective um, lobbying from, from the NRA. This idea that like, if, if, if you can suddenly women will say that everybody is every man she doesn't like is her boyfriend and she wants to take his, his guns away. So what do you think, what do you think contributed to that potential? I mean, it seems they're back on track, but what do you think contributed to that potential, potential snag with the boyfriend loophole? I mean, if it's not the NRA, if they don't feel intimidated by the NRA, what's their issue with this? Yeah. I mean, I think that the NRA doesn't need to be responsible for rampant misogyny on the right. You know, they are more, there are many, many people outside of the NRA who are more than willing to believe women are evil. I mean, you know, let's just look to the huge anti-Amber Heard sentiment we saw, right? Which Mm -hmm. was largely driven by this emotional desire to say, you know, women are evil manipulators. And so- (laughs) You know, I I think that there probably are some NRA lobbyists out there, but I also see like commentators on every fucking YouTube video I watch. And these are like random dudes who are probably not reading reading, uh, NRA talking points. But I'll also say that it's not just NRA anymore. There's quite a few other groups that have grown. There's, um, you know, a millennial NRA that's very active on social media that I like to follow. Um, you know, and they are frankly more extreme than the NRA, right? The NRA was essentially obstructionist. They said, we don't want any legislation infringing. These guys want more. They want to be able to have militias, essentially. Um, and that's, they want to go even farther than I think the NRA ever dreamed of. Militias are becoming frighteningly popular these days. It's also just, we say this a lot on other shows, but I don't know how you think your little militia, even if you have those guns, is going to take on the United States Defense Department. Like they can obliterate you with a button, sir. (laughs) Because it's not about defeating the government. It's about intimidating those more vulnerable or marginalized people. I'm actually reading Ellie Mastal's book, which is, I 
can't remember the whole name of it, but it is phenomenal. So entertaining, such an easy read and very funny. And he basically just deconstructs like the constitution from it's the point of view of a black man. And Mm -hmm. he's deconstructing like the second amendment and that it's really the, the intersect when you see the boyfriend loophole and the inability to get that through that really exists at the intersection of the misogyny and the like refusal to believe women that like he was her boyfriend or that he did mm-hmm. anything to her or whatever it is. And the actual, like the, the need for weapons as a means of intimidation, not like the ability to actually shoot people. It's just so that people will be afraid that if they fuck with you, you know that they could. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So you mentioned that this gun bill really ideally needs to get done before the July 4th recess. I mean, how should our strategy in terms of approaching and pushing our representatives change if it takes longer? Or should we still be really tunnel vision focused on pushing them to get this done before July 4th? I mean, that's that's is that reasonable to expect or is that crazy? Anything is possible with the United States Congress, right? Like, (laughs) could could they do it? Absolutely. Um, Both technically they could do it, you know, and there's always a way when they really want to. And and the wonderful thing about the United States Congress is they write their own rules. So if they can't do it, they just change the rules to do what they want to do, right? So there's always, where there's a will, there's always a way. Also, like, it is worth noting, they can cancel this recess. Like, it's not like written in the Constitution, they have to go on vacation, but that seems very unlikely. They have parades to attend. So, right. um, you know, I, th- <laughs> I, the, the reality is there's really only one thing that folks can do, which is advocate to their representatives and say, I want you to do this compromise bill because I will say, you know, another thing that mm-hmm. historically has happened is um, liberals have been unwilling to compromise and they mm-hmm. wanted to have, a, you know, universal background checks, which again, I don't think universal account- background checks is much of a compromise. Even if you're pro-gun, you should want everyone to have to complete a basic background check to get a gun, really. To me, that is unextreme. But, um, you know, they have been sort of unwilling to compromise. And at the end of the day, whatever compromise bill passes um, this summer Mm -hmm. is going to be not good enough by any means, right? But there's a few things that are great, and it's also a first step. And I think what we need to do is say, to all of our representatives, you know, A, I I want this compromise bill. I want you to get something done, cut a deal, get it done. Um, And B, I'm going to show up and support you because you did that. Mm -hmm. Because I see you doing this, I'm going to tell my friends to vote for you. Because you did this, I'm going to volunteer my time, right? We need to reward them for this. They're like little puppies, you know, you need to give them a little treat when they do something (laughs) good. So that they'll do it again. Positive associations. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> we need to like click or train Congress. You know, and, and I think that that's what we need to do. The issue is, right, July 4th recess isn't only going to affect Congress. It's going to affect all of us. We're all going to yeah. get distracted with all of our own personal things that go on because we're all humans and we live lives. And we're going to come back and people are going to be exhausted and they're not going to want to do it anymore. And they're not going to want to keep making these calls. Um, but these calls and, you know, if you see your your senator at a parade, talk to them, yell at them. You know, yes. you have to constantly be haranguing them in every way possible. 
Yeah, I mean, because we we heard Chris Murphy say this, that had an impact after Memorial Day weekend. And as I mentioned, this is just a recent example of how you've used your experience and insight to drive your audience towards action. I feel like, I don't know the best choice of words, but I feel like you've really like rebranded and refreshed the idea of calling your representatives and been really clear about why it is strategically important and is effective. So can you just kind of tell us about the origin and genesis of Emily in your phone? Oh, yeah. Um, I had a dogstagram. And um, I have doodles and I'm a very proud doodle mom. And it was shocking to me that people were more interested in my political opinions than they were in my, you know, dogs who are the most adorable things. Yeah. Um, And so that's sort of how it started. That's upsetting almost. Yeah, it is upsetting. (laughs) Um, But also cat people out there, don't worry. I also have cats and they also have a starring role. Uh, on my Instagram. I try to be extremely fair because cat people get very upset if I show the dogs too much. No, you have to be inclusive. Yeah. We hear yeah it too. We're, totally. we're very inclusive. Um, so, you know, I, I started doing that. I think I have had a lot of the experiences that everyone ha- else has had with being a very, very frustrated activist. And, you know, I, I I see what's happening from both the inside and the outside. And one of the things that always really frustrated me is I felt like these liberal groups were just saying, you know, do what I say. Don't ask me why. I'm not going to tell you what's happening on the inside of Congress. I'm not going to explain to you why I want you to do this. And then from the inside of Congress, what I saw was what they were doing was not very productive. Right. You know, postcard campaigns are worthless. Petitions are worthless. Yeah. There are ways for people to collect your email so they can ask for donations. That's all petitions are. Um, you know, and calls are really important because it's annoying to make a phone call. So offices know that if you're willing <laughs> to make a phone call, it's something you really care about. Right. And um I, I, I just I just know this because I work there and that's mm-hmm. the type of thing you learn. And the offices get readouts every night of all the calls that were made and, you know, who was on what side of what issue. And I was sitting in Congress and I was the staffer who worked on gun issues. And I would see how loud these anti-gun extremists were. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think what happened was when I started Emily in your phone and I started really getting into this stuff and I started suggesting people call I then got a ton of questions asking me why. And Mm -hmm. that's what made me take a step back and realize I need to provide a lot more context and a lot more information. And I try to balance, um, you know, providing information without overwhelming people. But my big, my big shtick is right. Like make this a daily habit, take your multivitamin, call Congress, like put it on the list because there's, it's, it's guns right now. It's going to be row sooner or later. Right. Like it's going to be something else in the future. And there's obviously eight million things we could call it, be calling about today. But we don't know. We can't do that. But making one call every day, I think, is a sustainable habit people can do. And it is going to change the way Congress sees us, because right now the exhausted majority, which I think is the vast majority, like it's all of us, yeah. um, you know, like we don't we don't have a voice in Congress because we don't share a voice with them. And so my goal is to change that. So what's next for Emily in your phone? Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> I, so I think I'm going to be starting some form of Substack or online community and provide, you know, provide a, 
a, another way for people to get in contact with me. You know, as my account has grown, the number of questions that I get has grown. And Ariana Grande shared something from your account, right? Yes. What did what did that? You must have been like, Whoa. I have no idea how that happened. <laughs> That's um, awesome. And I and I was I tried to follow up to be like, hello, here's 17 more things you can do. No, I didn't. Say <laughs> well, that. I think it just um, shows how hard it is to find very clear information for people to understand, like why they're taking this action. Yes. Yeah. And I think um, I think there is a hunger from people to do this. So I, I want, I'm going to try to get a little bit more advanced, learn to use the internet. Maybe I'm going to get a Gen Zer to teach me how to TikTok because I can't fucking figure it out. Though I love to watch it. Yeah, um, same. <laughs> you know, and uh, spend a little more time doing doing all of that stuff, and hopefully also do some more deep dives because I do know lots of folks have asked for like. 101s on how a bill becomes a law and stuff like that, that I mentioned here and there, but because Mm -hmm. most of my account is stories, if people miss it, they miss it. Right, right, right. And so I'm going to try to figure out a way to make that more attainable for folks who are not watching all of my stories every single day. And like you said, like I make it, it's like so much, I feel like I look at this, like almost like working out, like if you make it a practice, like every day, it's like, feels like oh shit, like I didn't call today. Who am I going to call today? And you make it so easy to sort of like have an action rather than just grasping at one. So everybody keep your eye on Emily and your phone and everything you have coming up next. And of course, keep calling. We will we will be sharing Emily's actions and hopefully, hopefully this gets done before July 4th. And we can all have some, maybe have a little bit of pride in America over that weekend. I think that people really need to see, people have a really negative attitude about Congress, which is well-deserved because they aren't doing things. And I think we need to see that there is a way to get stuff done. Um, I just saw, I didn't post about this, but I just saw, you know, a leftist was elected the president of Colombia and he left the FARC, an actual terrorist group in Colombia in 2016. So he went from being deemed a terrorist Mm -hmm. to being elected democratically elected president, right? Like things can change so quickly in a country. And I think, and we have a million examples in our own history, but I think like people forget that, that sometimes you think that we're in a mutable spot where things can change and it's just not true. Right. And it can go, it can go either. We're at a real crossroads at the moment and it can go either way. It can go really bad or you can go get a lot better. But and we have a choice, right? Like it choice. is, if you're engaged and keeping up and, and acting on it, then we won't be hopefully blindsided like we have over and over again. Yeah. And, you know, the only way we are going to prevent either Trump or DeSantis from becoming president and turning our country into an authoritarian state, which is what I genuinely believe they would do. And I'm not saying that to be hysterical. It's I genuinely think that's what they would do. Um, is for all of us to get engaged. It's the only, it's the only solution. Yeah. It's not an option. It's the only solution. Yeah. I also think that the more people who are engaged, the less of a burden it is on any one person. Like, like Emily, I feel like Amanda, I know, I know you both feel like you, the world is on your shoulders. Like you need to be there for every issue all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, like answer fielding every question and, you know, amazing, you know, obviously it's like amazing work but at the same time like if more people were engaged it wouldn't fall as hard on the shoulders of the people who are currently the most engaged well it's just interesting because it's like i'm sure like you i mean like we don't mind but it is interesting when this happens and you're constantly providing information and then suddenly there's a peg or whatever and it's like oh my god what do we do what do we do why haven't why isn't anybody talking about this and it's like no we have but here we will again 
There you go. We will repeat ourselves as much as we need to, like Emily said, to make sure Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis do not become president, which we have come to a fitting time for our closing line. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. The Betches Sup Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to suppod at Betches.com. Betches.